thank you guys for having me. Um, it is such a privilege and an honor to be here, and I've come all the way from the desert in Arizona um, to be up here with you guys in your beautiful, beautiful land. Um, so it's absolutely gorgeous. I know you live here and you see it all the time, but um, so it's just really an honor and a privilege. So thank you guys and getting to know some of you and to really serve you with um, some things God has put on my heart, uh, to serve you with my story, um, and to really make Jesus known for who he is. And so that is my heart. That is the vision that we carry um, with the ministry that I have founded, a very young ministry, about a year, uh, about a year old, called The Greater Love. And in 2009, God spoke a word to me and said, Ashley, I've got a harvest on my heart out of the gay community of every nation, every tribe, every language, and every people group. Ashley, I have a harvest on my heart out of the gay community of every nation, every tribe, every language, and every people group. And that was probably about, oh, I don't know how many years after the Lord, I encountered him radically, and he set me free, pulled me out of homosexuality, drug addiction, and a whole other lot of stuff. And um, so he was calling me back into this community, and he was giving me a vision that he had on his heart. And it wasn't until 2016 that God placed it in front of me and said, Ashley, the time is now. The harvest is now. And so out of that word of the Lord, and as the Lord was calling this mandate that I'm carrying to um, in the front view of what, I was, of what I'm doing, um, out of that was birthday ministry um, to really, uh, it has a couple areas to it, and one is to help align and equip the church in this age to walk in love and truth, okay, for preparation for the harvest, for one, and because God wants us to. Okay, and not swinging over into the into the beliefs of popular culture and into deception. And the other ways is we also have been done some uh, outreaches into the gay community, as God has led to be able to demonstrate and to give a different experience of who Jesus is. And uh, so that's who we are. We utilize uh, media. Um, I was called into media and had absolutely no media experience, no desire for media, and God started talking to me all about media. So when God starts talking to you about uh, an area that he's calling you into that you have never, ever, ever had any experience with, just say yes and just see what he does with that. Um, and so I've come out here um, with a friend of mine and a ministry partner. She's over here videotaping. And uh, so we try to get everything um, up and running so we can blast um, media, Facebook, online stuff with the truth and the love of Jesus. And um, so it's just a real pleasure to be here. A little bit about my ministry and um, what God has put on our hearts to do. And so if you come tonight, I'm really going to hit my story um, pretty hard. And we're going to give keys. I'm going to give keys to you guys on how to love this community, not just those that are in this community that don't know Jesus, but those of us that maybe be in our midst that struggle with gender identity or sexuality, um, in our sexuality, because it's not just those that don't know Jesus that are, that are involved and that would consider themselves, yes, I'm gay, or even um, and have no idea who Jesus is, but we've also, the reality is, we've got those in our midst that struggle with our sexuality and struggle with our gender identity. And so we want to be able to love well, we want to be able to hold the truth of, of how God created us to be as men and women, um, and in healthy sexuality as between one man and one woman in the context of marriage. And so how do we do that in the body of Christ, especially in an age and in a culture that is telling us over and over and over that this is okay, God made us this way, and we're to embrace it, and that's actually what love looks like. And so the, the actually name of the ministry that um, I'm leading is called The Greater Love because God said my love is greater. And God defines what love is. Not a culture, not me, not you. It's actually God defines it, and he actually defines it in 1 Corinthians 13. And um, so we want to be able to demonstrate the love and truth of Jesus on the earth, and there's a reason why, okay? And this is what I want to bring to you guys today. When I was talking with Mike about what he wanted me to share, and we were talking about identity, he's like, yes, bring some identity peace. And I said, okay, um, let's talk about identity. And because this is such a, such a huge issue right now, and I asked this question in the first service, and I'll ask again, is that if I came up to you and I said, could you tell me what you, could, could you recognize like some of the stuff the enemy is doing on the earth? Would it be hard for you to answer that question? No. So it's, it's pretty clear on some level uh, what, what, the, what the enemy is doing and how he's doing it. So if I came and asked another question and said, can you tell me just as easily what's God doing on the earth? 
can you answer the same question with, with ease? Okay, and so that's one of the things um, that I want to help bring today is that I believe the Lord has given me a little piece of what he's doing on the earth. And we all see in part and we all know in part. So this is just a little piece of the mandate that God has called me to walk in. And so I want to be able to, to pass this on to you and to kind of give a big picture view when we can get so inundated with what's going on in our world and we're down here and, we're, and, it's, and it's kind of hard to see. So what I want to do is I want to get us higher today. I want to take an eagle-eyed view and go, okay, Father, what are you doing? Because I know that the enemy is just reacting to you because he's scared. The Word of God says that he is, he is um, he's roaring, he is pretty ticked off, and he is, his time is short. And so he is doing everything he can because he knows his end, okay? He knows what God is doing. He knows how it ends for him, okay? So God is on the move. Jesus said, my father is working always, even to this day. So he is moving. He is working. So I am here to kind of show just one piece of it, of what God is doing and how this even relates to my message. How does this relate to this issue of sexuality? Why is it important? Why is it important that the church gets a grasp on this issue and goes and takes a hold of it and goes, actually, it, it actually does matter to every one of us in this room. And, and it's more and more as days are going by, uh, there's, I don't even know if I would, if, raise your hand if you know someone who is, identifies as gay or is struggles in their sexuality, gender identity. Look around you. <laughs> If I would have said this maybe 10 years ago, it would have been probably half. Okay, so there is not many people in this room that doesn't know somebody. So it affects all of us. Even if it doesn't, you didn't know anybody, it still affects us. And that's what I hope to be able to bring today. And I'm going to try to unpack very quickly about a week-long teaching to you. And just hopefully I'm not a fire hose, you know, in your mouth just, ah, so to hopefully able to pick out some nuggets and, and see how the Lord wants to highlight a few of these topics and um, keys that I want to give you that hopefully you'll be able to take and hopefully we'll be able to stay at an eagle's eye view in the culture that we live in and to be able to go, wow, this is an important issue. Um, the first verse that I kind of want to look at today um, is Genesis 1.27. And... We're going to go back to the beginning because I'm going to talk to you a little bit about identity this morning and us being made in the image of God. And this has everything to do with why you see what is going on in the earth today and why the enemy is reacting. How, do you, how many of you know that Jesus is coming back for a pure and spotless bride? He is coming back. He is who he says he is. Jesus is faithful. I, standing up here today, having lived um, in homosexuality, gender identity confusion since the age, probably all of my life, but I really got into it at the age of 12. And um, I'll tell you the full story uh, tonight at 6. Uh, but I had a radical encounter with Jesus where he radically transformed me. Okay, I had an encounter where he set me free, and then he's walked me through a healing journey where it's incredible, incredible transformation, and that's who Jesus is. Okay, so just to cut through any deception right now is Jesus is who he says he is, and Jesus is faithful, and he is good, and we're here, I'm here today to exalt and to help make him known for who he really is, okay? So Genesis 1.27 says, so God made, created man in his own image, in the image of God he created him, male and female he created them. So we see in the beginning that God made man. As we know, in his image, both men and women are created in the image of God. Okay, we both carry the image of God. In that Hebrew word for image actually means literally a shadow, which is the outline or representation of the original. And I love that. I love that God says we are the representation or the shadow of the original piece. And so we were created on the earth to originally display the image of God uniquely and how he designed each one of us. Because there's not one person in this room that is like another. We all are uniquely designed by God. 
in our personality, in the way that we look, in what we're called to, what we've been through. Every single one of us is unique. And we were originally, the intent was that every single one of us individually would display the image of God on the earth. And so now we see in Genesis, we know what happened is we kind of gave, gave that away because of deception and plain out disobedience. So we gave that away, and from that moment, the image of God, there has been an assault on the image of God on the earth. How close can the enemy get to physically assaulting God, but physically but distorting the image of him on the earth? And the issue of homosexuality and gender identity and just sexual immorality as, a, as an issue is not a new thing. We aren't the first generation to deal with this. Okay, this is, it, it, it was pretty, pretty raunchy. I have never even, I don't even know how long ago I've been since I've used that word before. That's been a long time. Um, back in the day when Jesus was walking the earth. And I was kind of looking at the timeline of things and, and, and all the way back in B.C. days and how it's kind of ebbed and flowed and what happened when the Catholic Church rose up and made, it a, made Christianity or created a religion, called it Christianity, and forced it upon the earth and persecution for those that were different like that and killed them off. And then you have a rise of, of, of not making it, it was illegal not, and then making it legal. So there's been this pendulum swing. And so we aren't the first generation. We aren't the first people group to look at this. And so let's look at identity. I'm going to break down as, probably as quick as I can some of the keys of identity. So every single one of us in our lives, we're raised and we want to answer two questions. One of them is, who am I and what gives me value? Okay? So we're all, answer, we're all trying to answer this question growing up, and we, we'll, we will answer this question one way or another. You probably didn't consciously as a five-year-old go, who am I and what gives me value? But there are factors in our life that happen that are actually answering these questions for us. And when we come into the kingdom of God, we bring a self-created identity into the kingdom based on our environment, based on the home that we grew up in, even based on traumas and things that we walk through. If, I'm, um, if I've been sexually abused, that is going to affect how I see myself and, and if I have value. So my identity is being created growing up by all these different factors. Our culture creates identity. Our worldview and what I call the spirit of the age um, will, will play an, a part of how I define who am I and what gives me value. And so every one of us in this room has answered that question. We have answered that question through different experiences, through things that have told us, teachers, peers, and all these different things. And we can get our value in different things. As growing up, my value was, was in being an athlete. So I was good at sports, and that's what was called out with me, was what was good, is being an athlete. So when I get injured or I throw my career away because I don't go to class and my grades sucked, and that's really what happened, is uh, what happens to me when my identity is crushed? I'm a mess. So we can actually tell what we've built our identity on when it's taken from us. When I am, if I'm a doctor and I no longer, I get an injury and I can no longer be a surgeon because my hand's injured and my whole entire world falls apart because now I don't know who am I because my identity's gotten shot. Or my identity can be in my sexuality. That's a big one these days. I'm gay. I'm gay. Okay. Because that's what I've built my identity on. It is a part of who I say that I am because I'm going through my life needing to know who am I and what gives me value. Well, the thing is, we were created in the image of God. So apart from God, we cannot know who we really are. We get our identity and we answer the questions, who am I and what gives us value by being in a relationship with Jesus because we were created in his image. So it's like my shadow trying to find out who they are apart from me. It's trying to find out who am I, what gives me value when they're separated from the one that actually gives them value. And so everyone before they know Jesus has is, is found their value in something. They found what gives them value and who they are in something. And we get saved, we come into the kingdom, and we bring this self-created value system into and our identity into the kingdom. And so from there, 
That's where we begin to get our minds renewed and that's where we begin to walk with Jesus and where things begin to change. To where we come back to, that the heart of God is that we come back to our original design of being image bearers on the earth. And Jesus came and is the model for that. Okay? So I want to share with you a few, um, five parts of identity, of what gives us identity. Okay? And, and these, in these areas, you're going to be able to see where you're at. You're going to see what God has done in your life. Maybe, you know, this, this part's a little bit off. And this comes out of my own journey. This comes out of things that I live. What I'm telling you guys is what I know here. This is what I know because I've lived it. This is what I know because I've walked it. And I'm still walking it, okay? <laughs> I haven't arrived by any stretch, um, but I'm not where I was. And neither one of us, we're not, neither one of us in this room, none of us, are where we were, okay? So let's look at these elements of identity. And the first element of identity is, and it's the first thing that gives us value as human beings, is we were made in the image of God. So it doesn't matter if you um, don't know Jesus or not, we were made by him, okay? So that's, we, that's what gives us value and worth for Jesus to even come and lay down his life for us is because we were made in God's image. He made us. So that means everybody on the face of this, her, this earth has intrinsic value of being made in his image. Now, they haven't come to realize it yet, okay? But that is the heart of Jesus and the heart of Father that we would actually come into that realization. So we're made in the image of God. Psalm 139, I love that psalm. For you formed me in my mother's womb. You know when I sit and when I rise. All of my days have been numbered in your book. Before the world began. All of my days, all of our days have been numbered in the book that is in heaven. So that is the first element, and that's where we all start in our identity. The second thing is that once we come to know Jesus and we give him our life in exchange for his, we become sons and daughters of God. Okay, A lot of us know we're a daughter of God in our head, but we have yet to receive that revelation here. We has, it hasn't taken that 18-inch journey down to our heart. And I can remember clearly the times where the Lord met me and actually gave me a revelation of what it meant to belong. When we know we belong, my performance doesn't matter anymore. What I do doesn't matter anymore. That is one of the, that is one of the key things that will strip away all of our faults um, value systems is knowing I am a son in positionally wise with God. I belong in this family. And everything else is a rest that takes place in our souls. Where our entire lives we've been striving to answer the question, who am I and what gives me value? And when Holy Spirit comes with a rhema word and he encounters us in our heart and he lets us know you belong to me and I am yours and you are mine. You are mine. And it settles that thing. It's like this orphan, I don't belong, I'm striving, um, I'm a victim, woe is me, begins to, I mean, it just, it just disappears when we get that revelation. And that's what, we, that's what we need is these revelation of who we are to come into those places of pain, to come into those places where people said you are worth nothing. To come into those places that said you're a victim, where I feel like I'm victimized over and over and over. And, and, and where the Father comes in and we allow Him to come in and heal those places and rip up those lies. And His truth penetrates that in a way that we've never felt it before. And we come into that place of sonship. And where nothing can touch us. It's like it doesn't matter anymore. Because I know whose I am. It's so when Jesus, when Jesus, um, the night he was betrayed, the night um, after he had his, um, was celebrating Passover with the disciples, you know this, and the word says that when he, he knew who he was, he knew where he was going, he took off his robe and he washed his disciples' feet. When we know who we are and whose we are, that's when we begin to step into who God has created us to be. And that comes by revelation. 
That comes by a place. I remember when the Lord first gave me a revelation, I could call him daddy. When I used to say that, or people would say that before, and it just never stuck. It was weird. And I was like, that's just, you're not my daddy. I don't have that. And, and I don't know if you know this, some of you may, is that we oftentimes, it's very natural that we associate our heavenly father with our earthly father. And, um, and we have to work through that. We have to work through the stuff that we've walked through and the imperfections that we are in our families. And we all are imperfect. Not one of us here has done it perfect and will ever. Um, but the Lord, Father wants to restore all that. And so I remember when he just said, I could say, you're my daddy. And I could feel it. It's not here. It's not pushed. It's not forced. You're daddy. And I can feel it. And I can actually feel it here. It's like, oh. I remember when I was going through a healing season, it was, he was healing um, a lot of stuff wounds with my mom growing up. And um, I was in a place of going through some inner healing, and, and Jesus said, Ashley, I had this revelation of El Shaddai, his name. And one of the translations to that um, could be, uh, they say that it's the many-breasted one. It's the mother heart of God, the nurturer, the almighty, the one, all-sufficient one, the life giver. And I remember, and I, I had such a revelation and an encounter with who God was in that place that Jesus said, you will no longer cry out for your mother in your heart. You'll cry out for El Shaddai. And I could hear, I could say the name today, El Shaddai. And I feel it. And his presence just manifests. And that's happened because of my journey with him and my seeking of healing and, and, and saying, Lord, make me the woman you created me to be before the wor world was even formed. And I went on this journey, and I am the poster girl of inner healing. <laughs> I have gone through it all, been through it all, and still going through it all. But there's an intimacy that has been birthed and a revelation of who I am as his daughter and a revelation of who he is that comes into those places of pain and where lies were implanted and trauma and generational stuff. And I become to know who I am as his daughter. And so that's another key element of our identity. Another key element is our character. It's our character. So we are the righteousness. Uh, Mike read that verse. We are the righteousness of Christ. That he became sin so we could become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Oh, my God. That we have the mind of Christ. That we think like him. We have the ability and the empowerment with the Holy Spirit living in us to have the mind of Christ, to think like Jesus, to respond like Jesus. That's our inheritance. So our character to represent God in our identity, in our character. How do we love? How do we respond? How do we speak? What do we think like? What do we do in secret when no one is watching? Secret sins that will find us out. You know, my, my father was a pornography addict since he was 10 years old. And he brought it into his marriage. And it was devastating in our home. And the reality is, is that our sin doesn't just affect us. It, has, it affects many, many, many people. The Bible says that when the, when the, when the body, we're all, we're all many parts, but one body. And so we are actually, the body builds itself up as each part is working according to what we're designed to work. So when every one of us in this room are pursuing Jesus, pursuing love, growing in our identity, bearing the image of God on the earth, walking in our gifts and our calling and our purpose, we are actually, the body actually builds itself up. If there's one part that's not, the whole body suffers. So when we keep sin hidden, it affects the entire body. And I don't know why I'm saying that, because that did not come out the first service. <laughs> but it's true. <laughs> so our character. The Word of God says we've been given everything we need for life and godliness in Him. The Bible, which is now on my phone right now, the Word of God, God says all Scripture is, is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. 
When I'm going through healing my first year as a Christian and I had the enemy, I'm telling you the war over my mind was so profound. I would have him in my face, like the enemy in my face going, this is, this is a lie. How do you know this is really true? Did God really say this? You can do this and be a Christian. And all I would do is, is to say, I would say out loud, I'd sing it, I'd pray it. I'm like, the word of God is living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, bone and marrow, judging the thoughts and intentions of the heart. All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training. And I would say it over and over and over until it broke. And that was my first year walking with the Lord. I had note cards everywhere with scripture. Because I just settled in my heart years ago, the first thing that I was going to take God's word for what it was. And I was going to die on the fact that this is true. Because if the word of God is true, guys, you know what's available to us? Do you know what's available to us? And the enemy is hell-bent, hell-bent on getting us to say, did God really say did God really say, this isn't true, this is a lie, you've been through too much, your sin's too great. If people really knew who you were, if they really knew what you did, and the word of God says, I've come to give life and life abundantly, I've come to heal the brokenhearted and set the captives free. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. How many times did Jesus say, your faith has made you well? According to your faith, it will be done to you. What is the potential as the body of Christ to radiate the image of God on the earth? Can we walk down the street and you talk to somebody and they, and they, just, and they know that they visited with Jesus? Because that is our destiny. That's what we were created to do. To be his image bearers on the earth. And so when our character begins to look like him and we deal with our stuff, guys, deal with your stuff. Be willing to look at your stuff. We all have it. And do anything you can to, to resist this lie that one of the biggest lies the enemy does is nobody's, nobody's, your sin's the greatest one. How many of you have heard that one? <laughs> That's a classic one he likes to use. That your sin is the greatest one and that nobody struggles with it you struggle with. God, people knew what that was. Oh, my gosh. Why? So you can stay in secret and so it can still have a hold on you. It doesn't matter what it is. I can tell you somebody in this room is dealing with the same exact thing. And we deal with it because he's scared to death. That if we actually start believing the word of God and actually start pursuing Jesus, guarding our intimate time with him, and taking him at his word and saying, if you are who you say you are, I'm coming after you. Because if this is true, I'm not letting you go until I got it. So Jacob did. He wrestled. I'm not letting you go. And I've been at that place more than once where I'm hanging on to God and I'm wrestling. And I'm like, I'm not letting you go until you heal me. Because you say you're the healer. And there's, I stand up here today, and I'm still, I'm in my process. There's things that I'm going through where God's doing stuff in me. But up until this day, there's not one thing that I haven't presented to God to heal that he has not been faithful to heal. Every single thing, because I pursued it, because I went after him. I didn't navel gaze and get stuck in, oh, God, there's stuff, you know, wrong. But when it came up, I chose to trust him. I experienced him enough to go, I'm going to choose to trust you. And when I would step out and trust him and he proved himself faithful, then I got to know him a little bit more. And then he'd show me something else, and then I'd say yes. And then when I would grow, and I would grow in the knowledge, and he would make himself known to us, but he doesn't happen if we don't make that choice. Because choice is a, um, trust is a choice. I say, so it's like, okay, I'm going to choose to trust you. How many times have you said that? I'm going to choose to trust you. I don't trust you here. But if you aren't who you say you are, then the, the whole thing is a lie. Why are we here? It's either he is who he says he is or he's not. You know, that's where my black and white thinking has been a blessing to me. Yeah, for all you black and white thinkers. Either he is who he says he is or he's not. I mean, that's just, and it's helped me. To press through and to war and to battle. I stand up here, guys. I have, you know, just like the rest of you. I mean, I've battled and I, and I continue to battle. 
you know, for Jesus to be made known in myself and my person, to be the woman he created me to be. Because we're in a battle and we're in a war. You know, we don't, God didn't come to make us comfortable. He's the comforter. And if we're comfortable, then maybe we need to ask, okay, Jesus, where do I need to say yes to you where I haven't said yes to you? So our character needs to line up with him. We need to pursue that and go, what are these areas where love, what does love look like in this situation? When I'm in my relationships and I'm reacting, what do I need to do? Lord, what are you doing in me? What just got triggered? When we're in a relationship or we're in life and we're all of a sudden, um, this is a key for you guys, the nugget, and you overreact and something happens and you freak out emotionally, you have just, somebody just hit on a huge wound in your soul and you just reacted and Jesus is wanting to invite you to look at it. Don't waste your triggers. Don't waste them. Use them. Be willing in your relationships to take a break and go, God, what about me? I've been doing this recently. To go, okay, what about me is the problem here? Let's look at me. I just reacted, and that was not okay, and let me embrace humility. Embrace humility, guys, because every time that we choose pride, we're hardening our hearts. If we choose in our relationship, something happens, and you're refu- we have that choice. You know it. And we have that choice where it's like, you know you're going to own your stuff, or you're going to sit here and self-protect and go, no, I'm not even. And we choose that place, we've just embraced pride. And then we'll do it again and do it again. And before long, pride has taken a stronghold in our life. But if we choose humility with every single interaction, it keeps us from partnering with deception and it keeps us clear here and able to love here. Okay? Our character. Next one is our personality, our gifts, our culture. These all represent the image of God. We're all created in our personality different. How we respond and process information. Okay, our culture, how we've got, we were raised. There's beautiful things in every single culture. You know, I make fun and say stuff about the South all the time. I'm from South Carolina. And um, there's a lot of stuff that's not okay in the South. It was that movie, Sweet Home Alabama, where she says, y'all need a passport to come down here. And it's actually true. <laughs> but there's beautiful things in my culture. There's beautiful things in every culture around the world. And when we can tap into and bring those things in our culture and restore them unto the Lord... It's beautiful. I lived in the Pacific for years and seeing the hula and seeing the Pacific Islanders embrace their culture and give it back to the Lord and be able to do it for his name, that's bearing his image on the earth uniquely. Like when we see before the throne all the cultures that gather to worship Jesus, you're going to see the Pacific Islanders and the, and the Kiwis and the, and the Maoris in New Zealand doing the haka. You're going to see, you know, the Africans. You're going to see the white people trying to dance. You're going to see all this kind of stuff at the throne room of Jesus. So what is the part of my culture that God placed into my culture that is unique? The Europeans and our ability to pioneer and to, and to make a way and to go new ground and to, you know, the way that we think, it's, it's all good. The warm culture, the cold culture. You know, being in the islands taught me so much about getting away from the task and how to have relationship. You know, and it's beautiful if we can learn from one another. So these things God is wanting to restore and redeem in our personalities and in our culture and our, um, our gifts and calling. Do you know your purpose? Are you exercising your gifts as, as Paul was encouraging Timothy? Okay, stir that gift in you that was laid on. What are your gifts? What are your spiritual gifts? What are your natural gifts? What is your purpose in life to advance the kingdom of God on the earth uniquely and only what you can do? I can't do what you can do. You can't do what I can do. Okay, my weapon, what is your weapon? Mine, one of them is a microphone. My friend Lisa is a camera. What's your weapon? What do you do with your hands? What do you do in your work? What do you do that God has given you? Are you walking in the purpose of God? If not, find it out. What did you create me to do uniquely? God is calling many, many, many. This is a real season where I believe God is really calling people into the realm of business. 
the business and into secular, you know, and media and all these different ways to advance his kingdom with the gifts and calling that he's given us. So that's how we bear his image. He's given us gifts. As soon as we became to know Jesus, Holy Spirit's filled us, he gave us gifts. Are you using your gifts? It's not just for people up here. The work of the ministry is for all of us in the body of Christ. We are all to be doing the work of the ministry. And that's where we become fulfilled. If you don't enjoy what you're doing and you hate what you're doing, I would ask the Lord, okay, Lord, let's look at this. We go through seasons where we have to do things we don't want to do. Absolutely. But one of the things I love is when people, I've got a friend now that I'm seeing her slowly step into and take risk of stepping into what she loves doing. But it's a risk for her because she's had a job for years and years and years that she actually hates being in. But she flourishes in doing all this other stuff, but the money is over here. So where do we need to take a step of faith that God may be saying, I want you to step out here, and I want you to trust me? So our gifts are calling our purpose. And the next one is one of my favorites, is in our masculinity and femininity as male and female. Did you know that God has both masculine and feminine attributes? Why do I know that? Because he created me in his image as well as he created men in his image. And it says in his word over and over about him being a nurturer. Holy Spirit's a comforter. As a hen gathers her chicks, so I've wanted to gather you. Wanted to nurse you. And that's one of the things, guys, and one of the big reasons in all these elements that I've given you, including our masculinity and femininity and who we are as men and who we are as women, bears the image of God on the earth. So why do you think there's such a push to destroy men and women and who we are designed to be? Where we're actually creating genderless people. It's demonic. Now the issue and the struggle is real. For those of us that have walked through this or that are in it and struggle in who we are as men and women and in our sexuality, for the most part, it's not a choice. And we'll get into this tonight at 6. Please come and we can, so I can, I'm going to just give keys and t- share my story more on this particular issue. But I love this area of, of masculinity and femininity I hated being a woman. I hated it. It was absolutely no value at all in, in, the, in the environment that I grew up in, and probably generationally as well, that women had any value. It's been in our culture because the enemy has been at war with woman since the garden. I will put enmity between you and the woman. Hatred. Because woman, and this is not an elevation of women by any means, I'm just highlighting this, because you'll see I'll, I'll bring it back around, is that women are the life givers. We give birth naturally. And also women and, the, and who we are as women cannot be fully realized and come to who we are in our femininity apart from the true masculine. And true masculine in men actually doesn't come into fruition and actually flourish apart from the true feminine. How does it feel, women? Well, I'll back up. So there's many different attributes that we can put to masculinity and femininity. Um, But one of the main things for men, for masculinity, is the initiator. So a key element of masculinity is the ability to initiate. And one of the key elements of femininity is to respond. Okay, you can see it in our anatomy, you can see it in how we're designed, and we could test this out. Um, women, how does it feel when you're around men that initiate and lead? Woo! <laughs> how does it feel, men, when you're around women that respond to you? <laughs> that you're allowed to open the door for? that you're allowed to protect, to be a strength. It allows you to feel, wow, in your masculinity. How does it feel when a woman won't let you open the door 
won't let you be a strength, won't let you. How does it feel? It probably presses you down and... For me, as a, as a strong woman, as a leader, I have a very strong initiator. I can do things. God made me that way. And that's what I love doing. I'm a pioneer. I love starting things and doing all that kind of stuff. But I tell you what, to have a man alongside and a man to protect and to, and to do things for me and to be who he is in his masculinity, oh my gosh. It doesn't threaten me anymore. It used to. I used to be so threatened, and I tried to prove myself over and over that I had enough value as men because I grew up feeling like I had no value as a woman. When you grow up in a home where women aren't valued and the feminine isn't valued and the guys get out and do all the cool things and the girls have to sit there and do nothing. You know, the girls cook and then the girls clean. That's what we do in our culture. And then I figured out why. And I was like, I don't want to do this. Why do I? I didn't see any value in being a woman until Jesus began to heal me and show me how he created me in his image as a woman. That verse, I think, is Peter that talks about um, respecting women as being the weaker sex or the weaker vessel. Used to make me so mad. I'm like, man, that is so not right. I mean, there's so many men I'm physically stronger than. Not all, but, you know. And it just didn't register, and I'm wrestling through it, and I'm going, God. And, and I felt to go and look up that word weaker. And one of the definitions to that word weaker is seemingly weak as when Jesus was on the cross. You see, for women in our femininity, our femininity, our vulnerability is our strength. And our vulnerability cannot be fully realized and come into blossom apart from the strength of the masculine. It doesn't mean that we're passive women. It doesn't mean that we can't lead. It means that we lead alongside and we come alongside men being who we are in our true femininity and men being in who they are in their true masculinity, not threatened by one another. And, and as we begin to partner with Jesus... And begin to go, Lord, restore me in my masculinity. Every single one of us has a, has a mixture of masculinity and femininity in us as male and female. Because guys, if you don't have the ability to respond, you're going to be hard-driven and hard-hearted and hard to connect relationally and all that kind of stuff. And women, if we have absolutely no ability to initiate and to go forward, you're just going to be relying on everybody else. When women, you were created to actually help men. Lisa Bevere says that we were the answer to the first problem. <laughs> and I loved it. And I look at, I go, what is the potential Jesus when, when we are as women in who we are in our true femininity, not false, mas not false femininity and rising up and dominance. That is a false femininity. The feminist movement is false. It is not of God. Has some good come out of it? Yes. However, you know, now I'm not threatened by men. Like the first time I had a guy help me out and I was, I'd gone through a season of where the Lord was healing my femininity and, and um, I was becoming more secure in who I was as a woman and, and all kinds of stuff. And I was working in an event and this little guy, little skinny little dude comes next to me and must have been like 18 and he's like, sorry, can I help you carry that? And I remember it was a choice and it was like, yeah, you can. And I backed away and let him carry it. I fully could carry that. But I backed off and I, and I just backed off and let him rise up in his masculinity and allowed him to actually help me. It didn't threaten who I was. I could easily carry that. But it empowered me and it empowered him. And, we, and when women, when we, are, when we are healed in our femininity in the places that have been hurt and damaged, when we've been abused, when we've been taken advantage of, our femininity gets destroyed and the power of our vulnerability gets absolutely destroyed. And that's exactly what the enemy wants to do because if he can kill off the life giver. And then he gets to men. And so we get this cycle of broken femininity and broken masculinity in us where the men aren't walking in there, who they are as, as, as initiators and the champions and protectors uniquely. It doesn't mean that all men are, and all women just, you know, I was all scared I'd have to be this, you know, frilly, you know, 
girl and when I was coming to know Jesus and I didn't know what it meant to be a girl and what did that mean for me and I went to my first women's conference and it was just frills and pink everywhere and I'll, you know all this stuff and I was like oh my god like I don't even know is this me do I have to be this I don't even know what it means to be a girl What's it mean to be a woman, Lord? How do I do this uniquely as me? And he's walking me through this journey where I've had to lay down my walls. I've had to lay down false things that I've taken up to self-protect myself and, and be willing to be vulnerable. It's scary, women, to be vulnerable, is it not? It is terrifying, especially when you've been abused, you've been taken advantage of. And it's the, it's the riskiest thing to embrace your vulnerability again. But I'm telling you, if we can trust Jesus with our vulnerability and be going to say, yes, restore this place in my heart that was designed to radiate you to be a life giver on this earth and put men around me that are safe and men that have been cut down and abused and hurt and, and all that you guys have gone through, to rise up and, and to be shut down in your initiation, but to rise up again and say, okay, I'll step forward again. Because God created me to bear his image, and the enemy wants us not to. Because all of these areas that I've talked about are the areas of our identity where we're made to bear his image on the earth. And the Lord told me years ago when I first became a Christian, he said, Ashley, I'm going to use you to restore my femininity on the earth. And I laughed. I said, of all people, you're going to use me of all people. And then I was like, oh my gosh. But he wants to restore us as men and women. Because men, the culture tells us that you have to be uh, into sports and rough and tumble to be a man. That's not the definition of a man. I know many brilliant men that are very secure in their masculinity and walking in their masculinity who are not that. And they're soft, their hearts are softer. They're more relational. My, I don't know, who in here knows Myers-Briggs personality test? Mine is ENTP, so I'm an NT, which is very, very rare for females. And when God showed me that, I'm like, oh my God. So there's not something wrong with me. You know, this is how you wired me. For a reason. But our culture especially will hit on how many stories I've heard of cultures of men, little boys that have grown up with soft hearts, tender hearts, that kind of love to be inside. They were more into art and music and stuff like that, but their dads didn't understand them. Their peers didn't understand them. And they say, oh, you're gay. Something's wrong with you. And they start to grow up believing it. It's a lie from the pit of hell. That's exactly how God created you to be. He created me to be adventurous and to go forward and a champion and a pioneer and to build and to be rational and logical. But to also embrace and to, and to, and to embrace and display the nurture and the feminine and all that. Like right now I have, I'm single, and, um, but I've Lord opened a door where I babysit a little, she'll be one in June. And I've been babysitting her once a week for um, since October, September. And I love it. Like, it's like this nurturer that just comes out. This, you know, it's just like I can't even express the love that I have for this kid. And she's my little buddy, you know. And it's, it's, so, it's a gift from the Lord. It's a gift. I'm helping. It's a single mom, and I'm able to help her out. But she's been more of, probably more of a gift than she was. And there's just this place where the Lord is, is having me um, impart that a little bit more to her. He's using this feminine, he's raising it up where I'm able to nurture and to comfort and to be that and to speak life and to give that, even though I don't have my own kids. John 17, 2021. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That they may be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you. That they also may be, may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them. That they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and you in me. That they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you've sent me, and love them, love them even as you've loved me. 
We were created to be one with God. Jesus restored what we gave away. He says in um, a couple of verses, uh, John 10.30, I and the Father are one. John 14.9, whoever has seen me has seen the Father, says Jesus. Ephesians 5.1, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. Jesus said, abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. From apart from me, you can do nothing. The world will know that the Father loves them like he does and his Son, and that Jesus is the Son of God when we are one with Jesus, when we manifest the character and nature of God and all of these aspects of our Im the image of God on the earth. Then the world will know that the Father sent the Son. We were designed to where we walk just as Jesus is. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is God. We are not. Okay? But we are to be imitators of God. Jesus said that you may be one. And we often interpret that as one with each other. When Jesus actually defines what that means. I and them and you and me. So we are to be one with Jesus. I had a moment with Jesus one time where I could feel him come into me. It was like my feet became his feet. My hands became his hands. My eyes became his eyes. And I could feel him. That is what we are destined to do. So that the world will know. So in all of these areas of our identity and made in the image of God, Jesus did it first and restored it. And he gave us the ability through the Holy Spirit to where we walk the earth and you could say, if you've seen me, you've seen Jesus. Hey, Paul said, imitate me. How many of us in this room would tell someone, imitate me? But with the Holy Spirit in us, and us saying yes to him and being led by him, we have the ability to walk in such a way. Or otherwise, he wouldn't have put it in this book. Otherwise, he wouldn't have said it. We have the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead living inside of us. We have God himself in us right now to empower us and all that he is wanting to do is this to yield to him and say yes and choose to trust him so he will prove himself faithful Jesus proved his love when he was on the earth over and over and over and over and he will prove it to every single one of us as we say our yes one of the keys to that is the cultivating your relationship with Jesus guarding that place with him pursuing it, praise, thanksgiving, get in the word of God, you guys. Pursue your healing. Don't run from it. I promise you, you will know the healer, and he is good, and he is faithful, and you will not regret it. Look at our stuff, because when we look at our stuff and our character and our nature and our femininity and masculinity and everything, our gifts and everything starts to come, and we begin to bear his image on the earth and do what we were designed to do. We were designed to be image bearers of God on the earth, and that is what God is doing on the earth. He is raising up his people to bear his image and restore his image through his kids on the earth. Because he's coming back for a pure and spotless bride. And that's why the issue of sexuality and gender identity is such an issue. Because he's coming against what God is doing. So for in order for us as a church, as the body of Christ, to walk in this age, we have to pursue this place of our identity. And say, yes, Lord, I want to bear your image on the earth more and more and more. All the days of my life, may I grow more and more and more like you, Jesus. More like you. Because it's a fun ride. It's uncomfortable. It's scary. It's all kinds of things, but it's fun. We get to do this. And there is absolutely nothing that any one of us will walk through on this earth that will surpass the glory that is waiting for us at the end. So whatever you're going through, whatever you're processing, whatever you are in this place, there is a glory and an inheritance that is waiting for us in Jesus. It is real. It is not a figment of our imagination. It is not too far away. May we run our race. May we have endurance and perseverance. May we pursue Jesus and make him known for who he is.
He's longing, just make me known. Put me, like me. He told me, put me in gay pride. Just put me there. I will bring a different experience. But you can't give what you don't know. You can't give what you don't have. So what do you have to give? You actually have something to give. We all do. But I want more. And so what I feel is, and I didn't even tell Mike this. Um, <laughs> I might have Mike do something as well. But um, I, I want to pray, and I would love for um, one of the things is this area of masculinity and femininity. I love this topic because of what God has done in me and because it affects all of us um, so much. And I've seen God do amazing things. And I learned years ago that the masculine in me does not release and empower the masculine in men. It's the feminine in me that releases the masculine in men. And I've seen over and over, and you may have experienced this, where women will often, in ignorance, come on, guys, rise up, rise up. Be who you've called to be. Come on. And it doesn't work, does it? <laughs> because it's not what raises them up. And it's the masculine in men, the true masculine, that actually calls forth and brings healing to the feminine. And I was sitting here standing between Mike and, what's his name, my, my security guard? Hello, I got, a, I got a bodyguard. And I'm just sitting here and I'm like, I'm in between the true masculine. I'm in between two brothers that are guarding me. And I'm like, I'm able to be me. I'm able to be vulnerable because I'm protected. Because our vulnerability, women, is our power to bring life. And the enemy is after it. And he's after men. Because if he can get you and he gets to us and we do this cycle. And men, you call forth identity. You're the identity calling for us. You're the champions. You're the ones that push us to go when we can't go. To rise us up. And to bear his image as men. And so I just actually want to spend some time wrapping this up. And really quick, I want to have all the men stand. And I would love to pray for you if you'd want to. And then I would actually ask Mike, when the men stand, if he would pray and bless the women. And I just, I'm going to invite Jesus. And you can just, in a posture of receiving, and I'm just going to bless you. And ask the Lord to heal whatever. This may be not just for today, but as you go on this journey, um, that you would um, be empowered in the masculine and the men that you are. And I want to stand up here right now as a female and say I am sorry for the way that women have treated you and hurt you and misrepresented God to you. And we've done it out of our own brokenness. And will you forgive? And so, Father, right now, I want to bless the men in this room. I bless you in your masculinity. I bless you as a champion. I bless you and how you were uniquely created by God to represent him on this earth. I bless you to be all that God called you to be, to run forth in your race with bold love and bold courage. Father, I pray for the restoration of the ability to respond in them. And I pray for the, rest, the, the restoration of the ability to initiate. And Father, I pray that you would take the, these guys in this room on a journey and all these five areas of their identity and that they would be raised up to bear your image on the earth such, with such uniqueness. I bless them with a life giver. And the places that they didn't receive you and receive your nurture, Father, I pray for a release and an impartation of your nurture. The mother heart of God. Father, I, I just, I thank you for El Shaddai.
And I say, you have permission to be men. How God designed you to be fully. You are pure. You are righteous. You are holy. And you're amazing. And women, and we need you. We need you. Give them strength and courage to step out again. Heal their broken hearts. And take them on the ride of their life. And I decree over them that no weapon formed against you guys will prosper. And no plan of the enemy will prevail over your life. And everything written about you in the book of heaven will come to pass in Jesus' name. And everywhere where the enemy has tried to stump you and try to destroy you and try to hang you up, God will restore. And he will, the enemy will pay back sevenfold what he's stolen from you. And I bless you with the courage to go after it. You are loved. You are valued. And I bless you in Jesus' name. And women... So powerful. Ladies, if you could stand. I, I bless you as pastor. I bless you under the authority of the Lord. That you, you truly are a daughter of God. Truly are. Have that spirit of adoption in you. That you would fully realize and know that you're loved by him. That your gifts are valuable. And as a man in a culture that has historically held women back and held women down, I, I apologize for that on behalf of men. I, I just think this message that Ashley's carried is so relevant what God is doing, and I affirm that in you, the gifts that are in you, the callings that are in you, the value that's in you. And uh, as, as a man, again, affirm the, the necessity of embracing your femininity. <laughs> and I pray for the restoration of that, those that are in that journey, to have that defined and redefined. I bless you in that journey, and I pray that the Holy Spirit take holds of where you're at in your journey and starts bringing others alongside to help define and redefine who you're called to be as a woman. And as pastor of this church, I say, be free. <laughs> be free to walk in that. Be free. Be free to uh, discover that. And that you would become the fullness of all God has called you to be. That there would be no man, me or none, that would hold you back from being all that God called you to be in your femininity. Mm -hmm. That you would experience that in a refreshing way. That you would discover that in a, fresh, in a fresh way. That you would be excited and thrilled and secure in the femininity that God's placed in your life. You. That you'd be satisfied in that and grow into that. And we, we just as men receive you and the gifts that you have for us. Where we've disdained that, where we have not paid attention because of our own mindsets. We, we, I repent of that as a man and leader of this house and pray that you would experience just a, a fulfillment in your relationship with men, that that wouldn't be an issue, that there'd be healing there and wholeness being restored. On behalf of those that have been abused, In the Me Too movement that's of God, that's the healing and bringing healing because he wants a, a body that's whole. On behalf of you that have been abused, sexually abused, I, I repent as a man. I repent for that. And I know there's, there's dozens of guys here that would, would share that with me, that you would be free of that and that you would forgive. And that's a tough thing to say, but that you would learn to forgive at the depths. God would heal that so you could release that, and that wouldn't be part of your identity. But you would be free to grow past that into wholeness, into sexual wholeness, in, into your, your femininity restored that way. Father, I bless these amazing women. You've blessed us in this church with some amazing women, some followers, some leaders, some homemakers, some homeschoolers, some business leaders. It's an amazing, amazing group of women you've blessed us with in this church. As pastor, I affirm them. I ask in Jesus' name, God, you'd bring them into a new season of growth, a new season of healing. 
Lord, that this what you're releasing in your church, and uh, a new understanding of femininity and masculinity. Lord, help us champion that here. Help us continue to grow forward in that here. Help us as leaders to understand that at greater levels, that we might be able to help people, your body mature in that, even in our community. How many would say, we want to take that on, and we want to grow in that? How many men and women would say, that, that, that's what we need to grow, and that should be a priority, because it's a priority in the kingdom. So help us with that, Lord. Help me as a man to affirm that in Jan and to affirm that in my granddaughters, my daughter. Help me to nurture them in the right way, God, in understanding true masculinity and femininity. And this idea of a genderless society, God, we resist that. We say, as, as a resistance to that, Lord, we're going to be louder. <laughs> we're going to be brighter. We're going to be stronger with more understanding, God. We're going to champion the cause of what you've raised us up to be image bearers. Help us to do that, Lord. And who would say, help me to do that, God? Who, who would say that? Help me to do that, God. Yes, Lord. Help me to do that, Lord. Wow. We give you praise for that in Jesus' name. In Jesus' Amen. name. Amen, church? Thank Amen. You. Wow. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Appreciate that. Wow. I'm rocked. I'm rocked. <laughs>